Welcome back to Sustaining Crouch, the podcast all about the stories of those in creative businesses. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, and I'm here with Tabitha Reeves of Twisted Lane Candles. Tabitha, what do you do? I am a candle manufacturer. Right. But you have a little bit of a twist, hence the name. What is unique about what you do specifically with the type of candles that you produce? We are a masculine-based, novelty-based, hyper-realistic scents. So all of our scents cater toward men. We Our tagline is no fruit, no frills, no fuss. We carry no... No sweet scents, no floral scents. Everything we get is musky, clean, spicy. We have um, we have a candle for mud. We have a mud candle that <laughs> smells like fresh dirt. Um, we do hyper-realistic scents. So we have candles that smell like saddles. We have pipe tobacco candles that smell like your grandfather growing up. So that's, that's kind of what's different about us. We don't sell anything that is in the retail market. Everything we have is unique. And we actually met because we're both a part of a networking group. And I wanted to reach out to you because I actually, my first kind of encounter with candles like this, I took a year and I was dog training on a farm. And there was one time I sat down at a desk to write some notes about the dogs I was training. And I was like, I smell a man. I'm like, it just, it smells like man right now. And I knew there wasn't a man in the room with me and I wasn't sure what it was. And I looked around the desk and there was a candle that was leather scented. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then um, the facility where I worked, they had another one in the bathroom that was like, I think it was bourbon, like another interesting like man scent. So that really caught my eye because it wasn't an unpleasant smell. It smelled really, really nice. And I enjoyed it. Um, But it's also not what I traditionally thought of a candle would be. And it was a very unexpected scent. And we try to go with the unexpected. So we have a we have a special candle and we call it cattle drive and it's a custom order but it smells like a man that's been sitting outside in a saddle all day long. So it's leather and it's musk and it's spice from a cologne. And you kind of get this overall scent that there's a man that's been working hard in your house. And I know that sounds weird, but it's a pleasant (laughs) odor. Um, And a lot of our candles are like that. A lot of our candles remind you of something else. And that's really what we wanted was, when you light this candle, you remember, oh, my dad smelled like that, or um, my husband smells like that, especially um, for people who have husbands that are gone often because I'm in that boat, and I would always miss the smell of my husband. And now I have the ability to bring that to other people. So your husband smells like Axe body wash. Well, we have a candle that kind of smells like Axe, and you can burn that and remember Hey, my husband kind of smells like that. So. Yeah. And scents are very connected to memory. Yes. There's, I find that unexpectedly all the time. I smell something and I don't even know what it is, but suddenly I have a memory in my in my mind from that. So yes. It's very interesting how we work that way. Talk to me a little bit about um, your husband because you, you, you run the business together. We do. What is his name? His name is Michael. He is, an, he is active duty Army, which mm-hmm. is what brought us to Arkansas. He's been in the Army almost 17 years, and they told us two years ago that basically his time in active duty Army was over. He's deployed a bunch of times, and they said, 
basically it's time for some rest and relaxation. And they sent us to Arkansas for recruiting. And that's what brought us here ultimately. And this is where we will ultimately stay. Um, I, we have family in Louisiana and we have family in Southern Arkansas. So we will stay right here in mm-hmm. Arkansas. He runs it with me. He helps me at all of our craft fairs, all of our shows. He does a lot of our labeling with children as well. And our children are involved as well. I actually have a product that is fire starters and the kids make a certain amount of money on that product. And it goes half goes to them and half goes into a savings account for later in life. And what a beautiful skill to learn. Not only you're teaching them how to save and how to have a good work ethic, um, but you're also teaching them being an entrepreneur. Right. And we wanted them to be involved. A lot of families don't get their children involved. And I wanted my kids to see what the process is from beginning to end, because I think a lot of kids now and a lot of adults even take for granted the handmade products that go on your shelves or the products that all that go on your shelves. So being involved from the time the wax arrives at the front door to the time we roll out 150 candles, our kids are involved in some capacity. And that's something that's come up with a few other businesses too, this idea of overhead, because you can look at a product on the shelf and you're like, well, I don't understand the price. Like I wouldn't pay that. And there's a, so we're going to go into that a little bit more, um, the pricing, because I, I know there's some more going into that, but there's a lot for the candle. It's not just what you see. There's your time. There's, you know, buying the different pieces. There's even um, doing the testing, right? What yes. Kind of, what, what all goes into that? Testing is a long process. It can take six months to a year to even find out what works for you. There's probably a hundred different waxes on the markets. There's soy wax, there's paraffin wax, there's coconut, there's palm, there's sustainable palm and sustainable palm burns differently than regular palm wax. And then there's blends of waxes. So you have to get a little bit and test each one and each wax and each jar requires a different wick. It requires a different testing phase. And so I still test, even now. I've been in business over a year, and I still test my candles and my jars because you never know. Something may change. The wax this batch may different be different than the wax last batch, even though it's the exact same stuff. And we test for, for us, we test four hours, and we blow it out for two or three hours, and then we burn again for another four hours. The last test burn we did, we had 42 hours, a little over 42 hours of burn time which is a long time for an eight ounce candle. So, and it just kind of depends on the waxes and and what you're using, depends on how long your burn time is. And you are really building your brand on no frills, no colors. So there's probably some different testing that goes into that. Yes, because we don't use any additives. We don't use any dyes, any waxes. So it took us a long time to find a wax that would remain this kind of creamy white color and not turn and it still turns yellow after you burn it because it is a wax and you are putting smoke into it. It doesn't matter. All candles soot. So you're still putting smoke into this wax. You're still heating it up. So it still turns this kind of ugly yellow color, but every fragrance oil is different. So I have a fragrance oil that is purple and it turns the candles purple. I have one that is yellow and it turns them the ugliest yellow color in the world. But that's what we built our brand on is no frills. So if it wants to turn purple, absolutely turn purple. If you want to turn yellow, turn yellow. But we like to have that creamy white color all the time. And it took us a long time to find that wax. 
Let's pull it back just a scooch. Um, where Where is Twisted Lane based? We are based in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. We actually have a shop on our property that we work out of. So we don't rent any space at all. We do it right there local. Everything is done local. We process, manufacture, and label and ship right from that location. And do you get your um, your different pieces, like the waxes, at also United States based? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know if the waxes are made in the United States, mm-hmm. but all the companies that we buy from are U.S. based companies. I think the jars are German, but other than that, I don't know where everything is based <laughs> on. Yeah, because you there's a lot of little pieces that go into this. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's. About seven pieces that go into a jar of candles. And that's not just myself. That's any major retailer because you have your wick and your wick tab and your labels. Um, And labeling is really important. So a lot of times you see a lot of labels on candles because labeling is important. So all in all, I think we have six or seven pieces that go into our product. And talk to me a little bit. How did you and your husband meet? We met in high school, actually. We were friends for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, We ran in the same crowd of people. Mm -hmm. He had a girlfriend, I guess, and he left for basic training. And I was not seeing anyone when he came home from basic. And we started talking. And and that was back when cell phones didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Or actually, they were brand new. So it was still really expensive to own a cell phone. So when he got to his first studio station in North Carolina, he used to walk to the payphone to call me. I was still in high school at the time and he would call and we would talk on the telephone. We would only have a short amount of time to talk because I was still in high school. So I had rules. Mm-hmm. When I went off to college, he went to Afghanistan the first time. And when he came home from Afghanistan, he came and visited me in college and we started dating. And that was in 2003 and we got married in 2005. Okay. So you guys, uh, there's a lot of conversations even before you started officially dating. Yes. We were, we were friends before we ever started dating. We were, uh, we were in fact really good friends. I can probably count him on one of my, you know, in my best friend category. Um, but yeah, we were friends and we had a lot of phone conversations before we officially became a couple. So I think that strengthened our relationship for what was to come down the road. Communication being yes. a huge part of it. Yeah. So it was, so you guys were friends. What was kind of that, that turning point where you guys were like, Oh, maybe there's more. You know, every girl has that one crush and that one of the attainable boy in their mm-hmm. life. And he was my one attainable boy. That was kind of this crush that I harbored all throughout high school. And when he was in jump school to jump out of airplanes, because he's a military police officer that jumps out of airplanes. When he was in jump school, he had he wrote me a letter and he said, hey, would you write me letters? His girlfriend at the time had broke up with him and he was I think he was lonely. and He was looking for somebody to write to. So started writing letters, and at the bottom of one of our letters, I wrote, when you come home, you need to take a hint. And I wrote it in red ink, and I highlighted it in yellow. And that was kind of the beginning of our relationship. Looking back on it now, as a teenager, that was very, very bold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I probably would not do that as an adult. (laughs) But he did take the hint. Yes, he did. Absolutely. (laughs) And let's go, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause when we, we chatted before you mentioned that your husband enjoys candles. He likes things that smell good. Absolutely. And he was the whole reason I started this was when we lived in Germany, candles were very expensive and everybody likes to have candles in their home. 
Everybody likes to have candles in their barracks, especially young guys. They want their barracks to smell good. And barracks inherently smell bad. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to make them smell better except hide the smell. And that's what a candle does. A candle hides the smell. It covers up the nasty. And so when he was living in the barracks and when we were living in Germany, I always had people ask, hey, can you make me a candle? Can you make me? And I was doing it for fun just to do it because it gave me something to do. Mm-hmm. When we got back to the United States, we were at a store and they were selling a pipe tobacco and whiskey candle. And they wanted $35 for a candle that's the same size as my candle. And it didn't and even. is like eight ounces. Yeah. It, it's eight it, ounces. It's small. <laughs> yeah. They're eight ounce candles. Yeah. And they wanted $35 for an eight ounce candle that did not smell like pipe tobacco and whiskey. It smelled like sugar. My husband said, can you make this? I said, Absolutely. So I went and I did research and I made a bunch for the house. And then people started buying them. So the business kind of took off on its own. It went from this hobby to a business just almost overnight. And there was something, there's some interesting elements to that. So we had, we had talked briefly before about how you wouldn't, you wouldn't have made this into a business if you didn't feel strongly about it. Absolutely. And I think candles need to be affordable. Products have to be affordable for the general public. And big manufacturers forget that. Most people, especially here in Arkansas, can't afford $30 for a candle. If they spend $30 on a candle, that's $30 that didn't go in the gas tank, or that's $30 for animal feed that they didn't have this month. So I do. I feel some kind of way about it because I want my product to be affordable. Ten years ago, we could have afforded a $30 candle. And even now, I look at a $30 candle in the store, and I'm like, why would I pay that? But with our candles, we want them to be where the general public can enjoy them. So $13 is our price right now. It may have to go up because cost of supplies. Mm -hmm. But right now, our cost is $13. Everybody has an extra $13 that they can spend a month on a candle. So we want them to be affordable for everyone. We want everyone to be able to to enjoy the scents. And... Real quick, too. Where where did you and your husband meet? Where did you grow up? We grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, in Louisiana. And so when he went into the army and he would light a candle, you mentioned this to me before, the other guys would be like, you're, what, candles? Like, what? Why candles? Yeah. And it was always cinnamon. They mm-hmm. always, and it wasn't just him, it was his roommate as well. Mm-hmm. They would always buy cinnamon candles. Mm-hmm. And why are you buying cinnamon candles? That was always the conversation that they were having. Because everything else smells like sugar. Well, they would buy apple cinnamon candles. Well, then their room would smell like apples. No apples there. Their rooms just smell like apples. But he wasn't the only one that was buying candles to burn in their bedroom. But it was a point that, not made fun of him, but dude, why are you buying candles? You know how guys can be. All guys can be like that. But it kind of, it frustrates him. And he gets on a tangent about how awful some retail market candles smell because they're sweet. They're laced with sugar, but that's what the general, not the general public, but that's what a wide part of the public likes. They want, they want these candles that smell like cinnamon roll and pound cake and all of those kinds of things. Because candles seem to be this weird item that is kind of on a gender divide too, where it's like, well, because I've seen this in other parts too, where it's like, well, if a man can't like a soft thing or, you know, a man can't use an umbrella, like those things are for girls. 
where it's kind of ignoring the fact that we're all human with human needs and human emotions. And we all have noses. Like, do men just ignore their noses <laughs> or like what they smell? A lot of men can't smell. Oh, okay. And I didn't I realize that. this until I started dealing with men on a regular basis. Men, blue collar workers, mm-hmm. a lot of them can't smell because they worked around chemicals their whole life. Oh, wow. Or they've worked around major smells their whole life. My dad is a maintenance man in a roofing plant. My dad can't smell anything. Asphalt's burned the inside of his nose. So he can't smell candles. My dad can't smell when something is cooking. And he's not the only one. So the generation of men between ages about 65 and 45 that are blue-collar workers, a lot of them can't smell. Wow. I didn't know that. From In my mind, it was like, well, they're just, they have to ignore the bad smell because they're men and like they don't, but they actually, they, they're not they, even. They just don't it. have a sense of smell and their spouse buys because she likes the smell, but he can't smell it, which mm-hmm. is why we use the wood wicks. Just because he can't smell it doesn't mean he can't hear it. Mm-hmm. And okay. hearing mm-hmm. it brings back for a lot of men in, in that age group, especially of sitting around the fireplace with mom and dad or camping mm-hmm. with mom and dad, hunting with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Younger generation of men are not ashamed to say, I'm coming to get a candle. And I do. And sometimes I have them seek me out at craft shows and stuff. And they have come specifically to buy candles because they want them in their apartment. And then there's a group of men that only light a candle when they have a date. And they use it for ambiance and smell because they don't want their apartment or room or whatever to smell bad. But that's always been the stigma was, oh, men only light candles when they want to have sex. Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. It may have been 30 years ago, but no longer. Mm -hmm. Now it's they want the candle to have the candle because it smells good. Mm-hmm. And they want their house to smell good too. Yeah. And it's a scent that they can relate to. Yes. Now, because there you have so many options. Um, you met, you mentioned a few of them. What are some of the other scents that you have? We have cedar and sage, which is a real clean scent. We have a red ginger saffron, so that's this real spicy, musky scent. You get this ginger smell with this red kind of saffron smell underneath. We have, in our novelty line, we have one that smells like corn chips. We have one that smells like beer. Mm-hmm. We have, we carry a whole drink line. So coffee, black currant tea, scotch, and I can smell it. It's not even open and I can smell <laughs> it over here. I'm getting something, yeah. <laughs> and um, so we, we try to carry a wide variety. We carry 82 cents currently. Mm-hmm. About 20 of those are seasonal because they don't sell well in certain times of the year. And we're continually adding scents. When we find something we like and we, after we test it, we may add it or we may not add it. So our lineup changes fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. How many cents are you selling at any one time? Anywhere from 60 to 80. Mm -hmm. It kind of depends on the time of year. It depends on the show. It also depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I have all of my scents on our website. You can contact me for all of our scents. I'll sell you one any time of the year. So we really have 82. Just kind of depends on the lineup and where we are, what we have with us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the process of, or just the industry of candle making for a, for a moment. We, we'd spoken briefly before about how it was an industry that was dying and now there's a resurgence. It was a dying industry. It was really, really popular back in the seventies to make sand candles and Candles with peace signs, hand candles, and those are actually making resurgence. They're coming back. 
But then the industry started to die because paraffin got a really bad rap. Paraffin wax got a really bad rap. And soy wax became the rage. And soy wax was very expensive. So there was kind of this, oh, well, we'll just let the mass marketers do it. And it kind of fell to just a few companies, Yankee Candle, Colonial Candle, Circle E Candles. At the time, those were the major three. And now, because people have decided paraffin wax is not bad for you anymore, and that it's okay to use paraffin, it's okay to use soy, the price of wax has dropped. So now people are able to more afford to make their own candles, buy their own candles. And it's kind of been demystified on YouTube too which there's a lot of false information on YouTube, but you can get on YouTube and look how to make a candle and it's easy and it's fun. It's something you could do on a, on a Saturday with your kids if you brought the right kit. So the industry now has a lot of new people learning an old art. So candle carving, there were only, I think 500 candle carvers in the United States five years ago. Now there's more. Mm-hmm. And these people, you know, are carving the beautiful pillar candles that have the flowers in them and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So you've seen a resurgence in it. And it's it's kind of fun mm-hmm. because it goes hand in hand with the bath and body industry, too. Mm-hmm. The bath and body industry was dying as well. And now candles and bath and body have kind of taken over. Again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I interviewed a woman who makes very simple ingredients, all natural bat, uh, body care items, as, as long as well with cleaning products. And it's, it's, it's not only, you know, good for your skin, but it's also beautiful. You know, people can really take with all their senses. Yes. And that's, and that's kind of what we wanted as well with our candles was we wanted you to be able to be pretty, but take it all in sight, see, and smell. That's our major one. So that's what we wanted. Yeah. That's great. And let's talk a bit about, I I liked what we had discussed before, um, that candle makers aren't really, um, you're not in competition because you're all making candles a little bit differently. You have different scents. Everybody is different. I mean, and everybody has a different process. And there are some basic processes that run across the board, but candle makers aren't really in competition because there are so many scents out there. There There's so many different waxes, so many different wicks. Jars. I mean, the, the sheer number of jars that you can buy to put a candle in is outrageous. And we chose our jars because they're vintage looking. Our candles are vintage. So we chose those jars. There's amber-sided jars. There's blue jars. There's clear jars. There's jars with cork lids. I mean, and so there's not competition because if you want a candle with in a wine glass, you can go find them. If you want a candle in a liquor bottle, a fireball liquor bottle. You can absolutely find that. There's people out there that make those. So candle makers aren't necessarily in competition with each other. And the candle community as a whole is very helpful. There's forums and web pages and Facebook pages and people get on there and say, help, this is what happened. No, fix it. And people are quick to say, you can do the following things. This may be your problem. And you don't see that in a lot of other industries. You see that in the candle industry and again in the bath and body industry where people are just willing to go out of their way to help. I think it's one of those things that it's your it's passion first because you want to yes. do something good first and then everything else follows. I think that's a that allows a, a different mindset than if you're like, well I want to make money first. Yes. And you're not going to get rich selling candles. Mm-hmm. You're not. Um you're not going to make a million dollars. 
you can be successful, but you're never going to be rich. Mm-hmm. And everybody measures success different. Success for me is one thing versus success for another candle maker is something different. Mm-hmm. So everybody measures that differently. But you're never going to be rich. So <laughs> and what do you view success for you? What does that look like? Success for me ultimately will be when my husband retires out of the Army, that he will never have to work another day in his life. That our business will sustain the lifestyle that we're living now. But success right now is one day at a time. Successfully, I had a great meeting yesterday. My products may be going into a new store. Yesterday, that was a success. Yeah. Today, my success will be going and wicking jars. So every day, I have to pull something out that was successful that day. Because otherwise, you get mirrored down in the, oh, I have to pour more candles. Oh, I have to wick more jars. Because it's tedious. It is a very tedious process. So I have to find those successes every week that make me continue and make me want to go on. Mm-hmm. So, does that do you connect that with a goal? Do you set a goal for yourself? Sometimes mm-hmm. um, we had a really bad summer, so our summer at the end of the summer it was simply survive another month. Mm-hmm. My grandmother got really ill and then died, and so it was like for a while everything was revolving around her, and everything was revolving around that. And so finally, after it was all over, it was like okay. This month, we have to have a successful, whatever it may be. We went and picked up jars in Chicago, and we took a trip. And that was successful because we managed to go get jars in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's the, the things that you don't think are important that are really important. Mm-hmm. So reframing how you're looking at it. Yes. It's easy to get bogged down, like this is really hard and painful. And yes. There's a lot going on. And sometimes you just have to say, okay. I sold five candles this week. That's a that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of I didn't sell any this week because mm-hmm. candles are a fickle market, and sometimes you can sell ten or twenty in a week, and sometimes you're selling none at all. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on the time of year and the time of month and what people want. So, did you find it a difficult process to find the people who wanted to buy the candles? We started with craft fairs, mm-hmm. which. Everybody tells you that's a bad thing. You always want to do wholesale first. But we did it backwards. We started with craft fairs, and we found success with the craft fairs first. Mm -hmm. And as we started to kind of build our business on these craft fairs, then we found wholesalers that were willing to come to us and deal with us because they had bought our product. They tested our product. Now they want them in their stores. Mm -hmm. So now I have people that, I have certain fairs that I go to every month and every other month, and they are continual customers. They come back. And on my Facebook page, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be in so-and-so area. If you need anything, contact me. And I bring it with me when I come, and they meet me. So we kind of have these. Now we're building this client base of, of regulars, and businesses now are starting to say, hey, we'd like to have your product. Hey, you know, can, can you come show us what you've got? So. Has it been a certain type of business that I've been reaching out to you, or it's kind of across the board? It's kind of across the board. We really like to stay in businesses where you get a lot of men, because that is our our primary market. Women are the number one gift buyers, but men are impulse shoppers. Mm -hmm. But they're logical impulse shoppers, so they're going to walk up to to a candle or anything and go, okay, why am I paying $13 for this? 
what makes this $13? And in their head, they're going to break down, oh, okay, there's this really cool wick, and oh, the wax isn't colored, and it's got this really cool jar. So then they're going to pay that $13. So we like to be in stores where where men are going to impulse shop. Mm-hmm. Right now we're trying to get into some of the cigar and pipe tobacco stores here in our local area. It's very, um, it's interesting to see how, how thought out it is. And you're like, well, if this is true, then let's try this. Or if this, you know, let's explore this. So that's very interesting. To and it's to. trial and error. You know, mm-hmm. you may yeah. put your stuff in a store and you think it's going to sell great and mm-hmm. it doesn't sell at all. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. trial and error. You kind of have to figure out where you're, your market is and we have these really niche niche scents in some of our in some of our candles and so they work really well for historical reenactors but they're not going to sell to somebody else mm-hmm. um we have a state park that we contract to that deals with work historical reenactors all the time and one of their properties on the park is a jail we designed an entire line of candles just for their jail mm-hmm since that would have been in a jailhouse in the mid 1800s to early 1900s when it was operational and they sell them like crazy but those scents wouldn't sell anywhere else what are those scents we have a we we have one we call it the sheriff and it kind of smells like this dirty man that's been smoking a pipe that's been hmm. sitting in this it kind of conjures up the guy the sheriff that has his feet on the desk and the men in the cell and the the it smells like pipe and musk and dirt and it smells like sweat but not really sweat I mean it's kind of got this underlying tinge of sweat but when I smell it I get the the thought of the cowboy with his feet up on the desk and the big sheriff badge and the hat over his face sleeping yeah. while his prisoners are in the cells behind him that's yeah. what it conjures for me yeah um many of our scents are like that that you know you smell it you can kind of conjure this idea of what it's supposed to be in your mm-hmm. head so there's this really it's got some chills it's a storytelling process too yes and that's why i like what i do because every scent has a story every scent for a person has a story so if your grandfather smoked a uh, pipe tobacco with an chewed peppermints, your grandfather smelled like mint and pipe tobacco, and those are good memories you associate. If your dad drinks scotch and he smoked in a library, you kind of have, or you had a library in your home and it smells like old books, you get this idea of what books smell like in your head, and I have one. And I have a candle that we call library, library and pipe tobacco. My husband says it's wisdom in a jar. For me, I think it would smell like when James Bond plays cards, what I can't remember the card name, the card game he plays, but when James Bond plays cards, does he play poker? Yeah, but he played something at the gentlemen's clubs in um, oh. in London. But it, I kind of get this James Bond sitting around the table playing mm-hmm. cards with all of his friends and they're mm-hmm. drinking scotch. And, you know, that's, that's what that scent invokes for me. Mm-hmm. My husband says wisdom in a jar. Yeah. So, you know, everybody gets a different scent and what you like is may not be what I like and what your memories invoke may not be something that I smell. So fascinating. Well, you, you had also just talked about, um, you know, starting to get businesses more, you know, more businesses, get your candles into businesses. What are some of your other goals for something? 
ultimately, we want to be a full-service company. We would like to have our candles and a bath and body product to go with them. So you could come to a store, or if we ever do a brick-and-mortar store, you could come in and buy a cedar and sage shampoo, a cedar and sage conditioner, mm-hmm. a candle, and a lip balm, mm-hmm. and we would be a one-stop shop for that. That is ultimately a goal as well. But we want to put these out to people who wouldn't normally have access to them. So we try to be in places where the general public goes. I don't want to be in a store that's a high-end jewelry store because that's not where our market lies. Our market doesn't lie in luxury. Our market lies in the regular Joe that shops at Walmart. And that's what we want. We want to appeal appeal to the the working family, the blue-collar family. Mm -hmm. Do we absolutely love our white-collar workers? Yes, but that's not who... Our product is appealing to. Our product is appealing to that blue collar family. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Enjoyed hearing your story. This has been Sustaining Craft, and this podcast would not be possible without the help of some friends. Audio editing by Joshua Kurtz, music by Jim Giacco of Nomad Neighbors. Catch them playing around Denver almost every weekend, and also music on Spotify under Seven Second Chance, and artwork by Morgan Elaine of The Evening Girl. Tabitha, before we end, is there any advice you'd have for someone who's considering becoming a candle maker or a similar creative business? Don't get discouraged. It takes perseverance. Oh, keep persevering. Even when you feel like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. One more test. One more try. Because eventually, that one more test is going to turn into the right test. For somebody who wants to make a creative business, don't listen to your critics. Do what you want to do and how you want to do it.